Welcome to Raising Competitors Mom and Dad, a podcast designed by the team at Compete Every Day to help the parents of athletes learn ways to raise strong, healthy competitors. Throughout every episode, you're going to learn ways to improve your athletes' grit, mentality, gratitude, leadership influence, and help them develop the skills we learn in sports that set us up for success in life. My name is Jake Thompson, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, keynote speaker and author, but more importantly, your host on the Racing Competitors Podcast, and I'm so incredibly excited you're here. Let's get to work. Happy Saturday, Mom and Dad. Today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Clayton Carroll, the author of Ready Player Win, a student-athlete's guide to mental performance. Clayton and I talk about his very unique career that shaped his path to the work he's doing today, including time spent with the military, law enforcement, and learning how to skate for the very first time just a few years ago while he was coaching a hockey team. Clayton's a great guy I got a chance to connect with over the last couple of years and really appreciate the work he's doing as well as the high-level basics he puts into this book. It's a phenomenal starting point for athletes wanting to build their mental performance. And so I think you're going to get a lot as a parent out of today's conversation. If your athlete is around, have them listen to it. So great excuse to hit pause and then play the rest of this episode on the drive to school or around town uh, to start the year because there's some value in here that Clayton's going to talk about as well, specifically for them. So I'm excited to get today's show going. As always, big shout out to the team over at CompeteEveryDay.com for letting me kind of pursue this as a passion project to help you parents continue to raise happy, healthy, strong competitors, not just for sport, but for life. If you want to find a way to support the show, just head on over to CompeteEveryDay.com and the promo code PODCAST will get you 15% off any shirt, journal, book on that website, or even just a flag to throw in your garage or your kid's room as that reminder to own the shadows or to show up and compete every day. Now, let's get into the show with my man, Clayton Carroll. Thanks for having me on, Jake. Yeah, you bet. Uh, excited to talk today about your book, Ready Player When, and a lot of the work you do in the mental performance space. Uh, tell me where home is for you. I know you mentioned getting caught in some snow right now and everything getting shut down, but where uh, where's home? What does family life look like for you? Uh, right now, we live on the eastern border of Montana. Um, we're about 15 minutes away from the North Dakota border. And yes, we are getting that snowstorm hard right now. Yeah. And and your background is interesting. So it's, I've, I've chatted with a number of folks in the mental performance space, played college sports, uh, kind of went that route directly into kind of mental performance and working with athletes. You were a little different in that you joined the Air Force right out of high school, right? And then you also worked with the Army too, is that right? You have some interesting military backgrounds. So tell me a little bit about your history. Sure. Um, so yes, out of high school, I joined the Air Force. I got sent up to Montana where I learned how to build, build nuclear ICBMs, uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles. They're 51 foot tall missiles under the ground. Um, built them, did that for four years, did my time, got out, went to college down at Montana State for another four years, uh, helped found the men's lacrosse team down there and played that for a couple years, ended up being the defensive captain, uh, earned honorable mention, All-American honors, 
Um, got my uh, bachelor. We joke, we say I majored in lacrosse and minored in psychology. Um, but I, I did get my degree in psychology for my undergrad. Uh, when I did that, I joined the army where I became a warrant officer and I flew Apache gunships for eight years for the army. Um, got out of there and went into law enforcement where I was a sheriff's deputy for five years. Um, after that, uh, family needed me, that, that obligation came up. And so I moved back up to Eastern Montana with my family to take over the, the family restaurant, which I did for a couple years. And in the process of all this, I ended up getting a master's degree in psychology as well. Yeah. Well, not only that, let's see here. You're Westside Barbell Powerlifting Coach certified. You are ACE personal trainer in a NASM. Uh, you've got obviously sports psychology background. You have been military law enforcement restaurant owner and now uh, working with athletes. Tell me a little bit about the work you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, so I've coached probably, geez, since I was 16 years old, I started out with my assisting on my sister's lacrosse team back in Maryland, where I'm from. And I've just, I've kept coaching throughout the years. I've coached high school soccer. Um, I founded the youth first youth lacrosse league in the state of Montana. Um, and that's, it's going super well right now out here. So I've coached that, uh, high school lacrosse. I ended up coaching at my college as an assistant, uh, for a semester after I graduated um, continued on. I'm currently coaching hockey right now, uh, up here in Eastern Montana. We don't really have lacrosse, but we definitely got hockey right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, probably a, a couple of few too many inches of snow on the ground for lacrosse right now. Yes, absolutely. So I get to take everything I learn and I get to practice on the hockey team. I've never played hockey in my life. Um, I got on skates for the first time three years ago when I first started, I, I told the head coach, Hey, I, I see you need an assistant no one was stepping up. And I said, well, I'd be willing to do the physical training and mental performance for the team if you want me to. And he's like, heck yeah, get out here. And so I, I volunteered and the answer is always yes. And good things came of it. And so I get to practice everything I learn on the boys there. And they try teaching me how to take a slap shot. It's going interesting. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, just the dynamic of building trust and relationship with the players, having not played the sport and being brand new to it. How was from your side, was there any challenges of kind of that imposter syndrome? And then from their side, how did you cultivate trust to where they could buy into what you were saying, even though you didn't have that same shared sport experience? Absolutely. Um, so what I found very early on, uh, my wife is, she grew up playing hockey. They're a hockey family. I got told early on, we are a hockey family. Um, and so I, I had to start picking my favorite teams, go Sue. Um, I'll still root for the Capitals, though. I, I won't pick her for Avalanche. <laughs> but um, so the one thing I found was that hockey and lacrosse are almost identical in the way they're played. Um, if a lacrosse player was to go to an arena and watch a hockey game, he would know exactly what was going on, minus a few rules here and there that are a little different. Um, same vice versa. Uh, the hockey player could go to a lacrosse game and they would know exactly what's going on. Uh, just the flow of the game and what they're trying to accomplish out on the ice versus the field is practically identical. So I understood very quickly what was happening out on the ice. Gaining their trust, that was that was actually, I remember a fun, interesting moment because probably for the first two or three weeks, I stayed in the box and coached from the box. Um, I didn't get on the ice. And so at one point later on, the, the head coach came up to me. He's like, hey, Clay, 
the guys want you on the ice. You need to get out here. I kind of shook my head. I was like, you know, I don't know how to skate. This isn't going to go well. And he's like, yeah, I know, but you got to get out here. And so I went out, I bought my first pair of uh, Bauer ice skates and I, I got on the ice and I hugged the boards the whole time. I did not move around much and uh, kind of shuffled, did that little kid. I think my feet <laughs> skate better than I do. Um, they're 10 years old, but um, eventually, you know, I started picking it up and he said one day he just, he turned over the, the boards and he was looking for me or was that a minute ago? And then he turned back the other way and he saw me skating all around the ice. He's like, there we go. And so from there, I've, I've been out on the ice with them ever since for the last three years and just moving around. I've definitely gotten a lot better at skating, but like I said earlier, they're still trying to teach me how to do a slap shot on the ice. <laughs> yeah. And, and the area you're in relatively rural, right? Very, uh, very, very rural. A town of 7,000. Um, the next nearest large town is about three hours away. Okay. So I, I remember, you know, growing up, I wasn't that rural. I was a town of 13,000 uh, smaller towns around us, but we all drove, you know, 30-ish minutes to the quote, big city of Tyler, 100,000 or so now. And you were a little more isolated in terms of comparison of other athletes. You would compare yourself to guys you played with and maybe guys ahead of you and behind you. And you would see clippings in the paper of a player from this school or that area. But today, even living rural, like you have access to everyone everywhere. You have all the stats online, you have social media, you have things like that at your fingertips to where even in that rural area, it can feel for a lot of kids, like, especially with big aspirations that maybe they're overlooked or that they're going to get lost because of where they live. And that becomes one of those things that like you can't control where you live, where you play, you control how you play. Talk to me a little bit about that because I'd be curious for like the parents listening to this episode that maybe they are in one of those smaller towns or areas and their kids worried about getting an opportunity to continue playing or is comparing themselves to somebody in a quote bigger city. How can they help to encourage that athlete to focus on what's in their control? Yes. Um, big, big issue here. And I've actually gotten lots of questions on this and for the parents, it's tough because, you know, there there's certain sports um, like for us, wrestling's huge in this town. We have a top 10 nationwide wrestling team every single year. Um, but this coach is fantastic here. He's built the program up. So everyone in town knows if you wrestle, you're going to be looked at um, all across it. The, um, one of his player, former players is the head coach at Minnesota um, for the Gophers. Um, so you do things like that and you know, you're going to get noticed, but then you've got all the other sports, the basketball, the lacrosse, the volleyball, the, the soccer, and these kids, they, they do feel overlooked at times. They're like, we're just playing small town soccer. And it's, we, we don't really put much aspiration on going anywhere. And that's tough. Cause you have to get past that mindset of, Hey, I can do better. I can yep. do more. And I have to try this. Um, so to reach out to the parents and teach them, Hey, your kid can do more. You just have to get them started. Hey, let's do something. Let's set a vision. What's the long-term vision you want? Well, for most kids this age around here, high school age, I want to play a D1 school. I want to play D1 football. Okay, great. That's awesome. Let's Now, what can we do to get you there? Um, what can we do to get you noticed? And we start going through goal setting. And how is your purposeful action in your practice and in your off-season? Are you eating the calories you need? Are you doing the workouts you need to get bigger, stronger, faster, 
Are you watching video to get smarter? I think things like watching higher tier play is often overlooked in a lot of people where if these kids watch these higher tier players, they learn from it. They see what they're doing. They're like, hey, I'm going to go try that now. And they go out, they try it and it works. They're like, wow. And so now they've just given themselves an advantage over, you know, the rest of their peers around the state. And I've actually had one of my hockey players here, um, very talented player, very talented family. He, um, he struggled with his mental game. His older brother was a player of mine, my first year coaching and not quite as skilled as his younger brother, but his mental game was way up here. Like he was the dedicated player. He was fantastic. But younger brother who had all the skill didn't have the mental game. And so I've been working with him for the last three years and we actually lost him to, you know, anything about hockey. Uh, he got sent to a tier one team down in Colorado. Um, he's second string, which, but still for a kid from tiny Sydney to get sent to a tier one hockey team, which is for his age group, top level. That is yeah. one of the best levels he could be at right now. Um, he will get looked at by college coaches now and junior leagues. So, but I've been working with him over the years and his parents have been very receptive to, you know, what can we do to help? What can we do to make him better? And what are some things he can do? And so they were very open to that. So the biggest thing I can tell the parents is just be open to utilizing uh, all avenues to help you, you know, just because you're in small town, Sydney, Montana, doesn't mean you're locked into this place. You know, you'll go to the local community college and play, and that's about as good as it'll get. No, you can do good. And any kid out there can do good if they try. That's just it. Put in the work, put in the effort, and you can do it. I love that. I love that. Well, I want to switch gears briefly because uh, you wrote a book and it came out earlier. Well, in the fall, it came out in the fall. Ready Player Win, the student athlete's playbook to developing a mental advantage. Talk to me a little bit about this book. There's tons of books out there for, for athletes. Um, you know, I always go back to kind of the old school mind gym one. Um, and I say old school mainly because I know it's been around a little while, but yours is, is unique in the aspect of how you go and approach the work. So talk to us a little bit about, I would say first, what inspired you to finally write it and hit publish, because that's something so many people never actually do, but really kind of the core components of it. Yeah. Um, so my motivation for this was I always wondered if I had someone there to teach me the mental game. I, I grew up playing in the 90s. I graduated high school in 97. Um, I didn't have someone to teach me all the mental aspects of the game, you know, the discipline, the goal setting, the breathing, the visualization. Um, where could I have gotten to if I had someone that was able to help me do this? And so for me, it was well, I've got all these years of knowledge. I've got all these years of experience. Why not put pen to paper and pass it on? And if I can help any other kid out there do it just through buying and reading a book, why not? Um, so my goal is to see that, see more kids be able to reach that next level because they just, they got that extra little edge that they might not have gotten. Otherwise they might not have known about. Cause I mean, realistically mental performance coaching is still a new, new world right now. You know, you yeah. see a lot of professional leagues they're they're starting to tout their hey our mental performance team is here and look what the, the good things they're doing but if you look at any high school the majority of colleges out there unless they're a, a nice d1 school um they don't really have a mental performance team to to help them yeah and so i i thought why not so i put i put the pen to paper and i i started with what i felt was the basics of all this um what do these 
young athletes need to start with learning to be able to reach that higher level. Um, and so I started, I had to do physical training and nutrition. Um, I, I went in the basics with that because you can't be a good athlete if you're not eating right and working nope. out. And you can't um, outwork a bad nutrition plan and diet. Exactly. Exactly. So I had to go over some very basic fundamental concepts. Um, drink a gallon of water a day, hit your protein. You should be getting the right amount of calories based on what you're burning, that kind of thing. Um, but then I went a little bit deeper and I started talking about uh, the mindset of putting in the work, figuring out what your long-term vision is, being realistic with your vision too. You know, not everyone is capable of making a D1 school, but you know what? Are there D2 and D3 schools out there that would love to have your level of athlete? Absolutely. So why not shoot for it? Why not reach as high as you can? If you're shooting for the stars and you still get up in the sky, you still got to fly one day, didn't you? I want to I want to hit on that and just kind of hear your perspective on it for for parents listening and hopefully some of the athletes in the car that not playing D1 is still a good thing. If you're playing D2, D3, like that's not a bad thing to where it's like oh, I'm not I'm D1 or bust, but like hey, if you if you want to pursue it, there's schools out there that would love to have you join it and it could be an incredible experience for you. Right. And for most kids, you know, that's, that's the mindset. I got to play for the D one yeah. school. I, I got to be at Notre Dame. I gotta be at Alabama. I gotta be at TCU. Um, you, you, sorry. I threw that one. Nice in there. plug there. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. I don't know though, when this airs, I don't know if I'm celebrating a national championship or getting knocked out of the playoffs. So I guess we'll find <laughs> out. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but no, it's, one of the things I talk about in the book is you have to have love for what you do. You have to have passion for it. If you truly love it and have enough passion for your sport that you're playing, then you're getting to continue on with this journey. You're getting to move further on. I mean, that I think what the number is at like 1%, maybe 3, 3% of high school athletes move on to, to play at a college level. Yep. Um, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy to me that it's so low. And I think the majority of it is just, they didn't try. They could have, but they didn't try. So why not? Why not shoot shoot for D1? Absolutely. If you can have an opportunity to play D1, do it. But don't be afraid to put in those applications to the D2 and the D3 schools. And if those coaches come calling and saying, hey, you know, I'd love to come talk to you a bit. Be willing and, you know, give these schools your all because a lot of these places, they have some amazing opportunities to give you. Um, D1 AA, that, that is what Montana State is. And yep. Grizzly, right? Oh, you just said a bad word. Uh oh, that's Montana. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. We're, we're the Bobcats. Bobcats. Um, okay. We have a big game this weekend. We're in the semifinals and we're, we're fighting for our national championship again. Okay. But um, no, at some of my best memories in life were with my brothers on the lacrosse team there. And I, Till the day I die, I will never forget those memories. I love them. I am passionate about it. And it created such an impression on me that I will tout any school out there that is willing to put forth effort and find these young athletes that are willing to move on and try something new and move up to that next level. Because who knows what can come from it. That's right. Okay, so we talked nutrition and fitness in the book. What are kind of the other pillars throughout the book that athletes or parents who pick up a copy can expect? Yeah. Uh, first is vision. You got to have your long-term vision of where you want to go. Then we talk about goal setting. 
Uh, I go through breathing techniques in there, teaching them to control the heart rate, control, control the rhythm, get the oxygen flowing. Uh, we go through visualization. We talk about how that is such an underutilized asset of if you do a five minute visualization session prior to a game, you've just given yourself an entire two hour practice prior to a game. How much better and more ready are you going to be at game time when you have that with you? Um, I talk about uh, putting in the effort and purposeful action. Every time you go out and do something, you must have purpose behind it. It doesn't matter if it's the easiest drill in the world. You should still be looking at it as I must master this drill every time I do it. If I mess up, okay, I start back over and I count from one again till I become a master at it. The reason the pros are so good at their sport is because they're masters of the basics. They have mastered them long ago. And a lot of times these kids nowadays, they want to do the big flashy skill and the, the big slap shot or the big ripper on the lacrosse field. And it's like, hey, you still can't even take a basic wrist shot. Come on, guys. You got to master that first, then right. move on to the next level. So very, it, I went very fundamental in the things I hit, but anyone can pick up this book. And if they start mastering those fundamental mental skills, their level of play is going to go through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, we know it's the experts, the, the masters are just masters because they've mastered the basics. It's not, Hey, I, I do level 20 so incredibly well. It's like, I'm actually phenomenal at levels one, two, and three. And exactly. it's getting that stuff down the footwork, you know, physical sense, it's the footwork. It's being able to hit the shot, things like that. Mental skills are no, no different. Clayton, right. where can we pick up a copy of your book for any of the parents or athletes listening? Uh, you can go to my website, readyplayerwin.com, or you can go to Amazon. Um, I made number one bestseller on it. I'm pretty proud of that one. Yeah, Didn't you are. <laughs> but love um, it. Yeah, uh, amazon.com. That's going to be the best one. You can get the e-version. You can get a hard copy. You can get a paperback. Awesome. And, and your website also, readyplayerwin.com, also has... Uh, information for kind of the coaching programs you do, the annual membership with like workout plans, content, um, and then kind of the team training and work you do as well, right? Correct. It has all that on there. Um, we've got an email list, sign up. We push out emails on it. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. That's going to be my next question. <laughs> um, Ready.player.win uh, is my handle on there. Um, look me up. I'm posting stuff multiple times throughout the week on there. So always trying to get information and provide value on there for anyone who's listening. Love it. Love it. Well, Clayton, man, thank you for investing the time this evening to come on the show, hang out. Parents, if you're listening to the show, head on over to readyplayerwin.com. Grab a copy of his book. Maybe you scan it first, but it would be a great gift to start the year for your athlete to set them up for success. And then if you want to learn more about Clayton's coaching programs, things like that, head on over to his website. You'll see all that info there. But at the very least, give my man a follow on Instagram. You'll pick up some very valuable content. Clayton, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Jake, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Raising Competitors podcast brought to you by Compete Every Day. To learn more about the show, listen to past episodes, or get connected with our team, visit RaisingCompetitors.com. We'll see you next episode.